With inflation rearing its ugly head, organizations all around the world are casting an extra watchful eye on their overall spend. As a workforce transformation partner, we're seeing a heightened focus on value, and rightfully so. So the question for those heading up an organization's talent management, learning and development, or good old fashioned training department is this. How can you ensure that you're getting maximum effectiveness out of your allocated budget? Recently, we had a chance to catch up with Ashley, a client advocate here at GP Strategies on this very topic. And what she had to say really opened my eyes to some fresh insight. I know you're gonna enjoy this one, so let's get to it. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Michael Teal. I'm honored to be here today. And we're going to be talking about a topic I think that is on the hearts and minds of a lot of us in these challenging times in this economy. And that is getting maximum effectiveness out of your training budget. Now, here to speak on this is a fantastic authority on this. We've brought out the heavy hitters. We have Ashley Johnson, Director of Business Development here at GP Strategies. Ashley, thanks so much for carving some time out of your day to talk about this very important topic. Hey, thanks so much. And wow, what a lead in. I, I, I'm a learner myself. So I love my job because every day experiencing what we're hearing in the industry is a challenge. It's it's an opportunity and, and it's just a way to see impact as there's just so much growth potential out there with all of the obstacles and everything that we've been seeing with the changes to uh, the workforce and how different it is from 10 years ago. Um, it really is exciting. So I like to think of myself as a learner myself, not as an expert, but um, yeah, very excited to dive into this very important topic. Well, perfect, Ashley. Now, before we get going here, I just like to have a little fun with our audience. Also, you know what? We have over 4,000 associates at GP Strategies around the world. So it's kind of just cool to get to get to know each other a little bit. So I've got a couple questions for you. Are you prepared? Ooh, I hope so. Let's find out. <laughs> okay, let's do this. So first of all, we're in a virtual studio right now. Where's home for you? Buffalo, New York. Beautiful, beautiful area. What I was going to ask you is, can you share a little bit about your background, your professional bio, of how you've come to GP Strategies? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always been a client advocate. So previous to GP, you know, I worked in partnership relationships, trying to understand um, how to help solve for, you know, obstacles or issues or gaps that clients are looking to transform. Um, I came to GP about nine years ago, and my focus since then has been primarily in energy, oil, and gas. Our technical customers are uh, all of my buddies. You know, those are the people that I speak to every day. Um, and just seeing how unique but yet different um, some of the challenges that we're seeing and some of the trends that we're seeing, that's what excites me. It's, it's just always a moving target. Um, so my role is always to just listen, understand the needs, understand the perceived gaps, but also provide some things that maybe they weren't thinking about um, when it comes to their training journey and uh, grow together, learn from each other and just get better. So 
Um, I love what I do. Uh, I get to go and tour technical facilities, walk through power plants. Um, I was able to visit visit a wind farm. Um, so really <laughs> it's just an exciting job. And, uh, you know, a lot's changed since COVID with less travel, um, but happy to see the world opening back up again and uh, solving for some of those needs that that has brought as well. Well, you've definitely been in a dynamic industry over the past couple of years, none more than now. I mean, the whole energy sector is going through a radical transformation. So we need your expertise and guidance to help make that shift. No doubt about that, Ashley. So before we get into the brass tacks, though, I've got one more question for you. I've been challenging people with this all year, and that is, what's one fun fact about Ashley? Oh, that's a good one. Well, um, I grew up in a crazy Italian family. So Sunday dinners, huge deal. Everyone gathers around you know, a six course meal with 18 screaming loud Italians. It's fun, <laughs> chaotic, and it keeps me here in my home base, which is why I've never moved away from it. Um, so I'm, I'm very blessed to have, you know, family be a big part of my life. Oh, what a great thing. I can just imagine it right now. Pasta flying, meatballs oh, yeah. everywhere, hands, <laughs> a lot of hand motions, right? So we're doing this as a podcast today. But if you need to use your hand motions, I feel free to do it, Ashley. No problem. Don't have to tell me twice. It's going to come up. <laughs> okay, so here's, I, I'm sure everyone is, is having a good time so far, but they're here for a reason. We want to talk about getting maximum value of that training budget. And so the first question I'm going to ask you, Ashley, and again, this is just confidential, us talking here. But, you know, thinking about this, what are some of the things that you're seeing that Let's just say, and I say this very politely, but what are organizations doing wrong with their training budget? What are you seeing here? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because I do like to challenge the ask a lot of times when someone comes prepared with, this is what I think we need. You know, it's it's uncovering, well, what, what resulted in that? What's the business driver? So some of the themes that I have seen um, in our relationships and working to help develop a, a learning transformation is thinking not not holistically, so um, not seeing the big picture. So many companies have perceived gaps. Maybe it's a safety concern. Maybe it's a lack of resources and, and able to really uh, dedicate to building a program or it's outdated processes or materials. So a lot of times um, people will come thinking that they know what they need and what they need to fix things and really change for the future. Um, but really it's just instead of jumping right into development, taking a step back and developing a governance model, um, going through a learning assessment to truly understand what your current state is so that you're not just creating content, hmm. you know, and, and putting money into solutions that might not fit. So it, it's the agile piece that I think people get into trouble with. Well, and, and that's very interesting. And one of the things that I've been most impressed about with GP Strategies is that when we say we're a workforce transformation company, it really means that that we're not going to just say, hey, Ashley's going to prescribe a learning solution. It's going to be, what's your real business situation here? That's only one lever you can pull. Am I hearing that right? Absolutely. Because everyone's got um, you know, a stake in the game. So it's understanding what the business drivers are, but then also what do the frontline supervisors need? And does that connect to what the you know, business objectives are for the organization? And then it's understanding how to tailor what you're building to make sure that it is 
ready for some of the challenges we're seeing with a multi-generational workforce and, um, you know, need for more modern solutions, but not moving away from the more structured traditional approaches that have been effective for decades. So it's that balance. But without designing that model up front and just jumping right into development, you, you do tend to overspend and not get the results all the time that you're looking for. Tell me about expectations with clients. Are you, are you seeing a lot of very realistic, very practical expectations too? Yeah, good call out there. So a lot of times people like to chase the new modern element of training or qualification when it comes to technical development. And, and that's not always the right journey. So, you know, for some companies, it's we need to start by just getting an LMS. We're paper-based right now. And others are thinking virtual reality is the solution, but does it fit the training ask? So, you know, you always kind of have to go back to what are the skills I'm trying to develop? What are the positions I'm training to? But then the cultural fit, you know, does it make sense to introduce some expensive piece of technology or something that's very immerse and interactive if it's not going to actually um, get the knowledge retention that you're looking for. So it's just that realization of how do I introduce elements of modern? How do I be future stable without putting the cart before the horse? That's such a great perspective. And I will say Mia culpa, someone who is, my role is a creative director within the innovation team. So and you can probably see behind me in this video here, I've got the the blurry little VR headset back there. Yeah, my instinct is to think, oh, cutting edge in this and that. So I have to say it's fantastic to have really some client advocates like yourself out there to go, yeah, that's a good idea. But you know what? We're not dealing with people that are in an office a lot. You know, it's easy to get locked into that. So there's a lot of value for you to be there advocating. So saying that just as an appreciation for this, this teamwork. So thank you on behalf of all of us nut jobs out there thinking of <laughs> the shiny new object. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then what I was going to ask you also, because I know you, like you said, you're getting a chance to get back out there in the field. What are some of the things you've observed when you have these multi-generational workforces? What types of things are you observing? Just curious on that. You know, we're seeing a lot of people entering the workforce that don't have any experience. You know, we're, we're getting talent that's being acquired from right out of high school. Um, so it's really just going back to foundations. Sometimes it's as simple as just getting the fundamentals in place, the craft skills of how can I day one go into my job and understand the difference between a piece of equipment and, and what the proper protocol is versus uh, someone who's been doing this for a long time and doesn't necessarily have to rely on their procedure to complete a task because they trust that they can do it. They performed it over and over again. So it's two separate types of challenges. It's the one that really needs to start from the beginning and get those foundational elements. And it's the other that might be too comfortable and trusting that you can kind of skip the steps. So I think that, you know, introducing solutions that can scale up and down depending on the level of experience is very critical. Um, but also making sure that those foundational elements are, are able to attract future talent even 10 years from now. Who knows what that will look like, right? So it's just making sure that those, those program elements can grow with you. Yeah, what you're saying here in terms of 
really even investing time, as you were mentioning, in terms of a roadmap, even if it's having learner empathy discussions, I mean, you could unpack a whole set of hidden learning and development needs for that workforce that weren't even on the radar. So yeah, I can see I can see what you're saying in terms of stepping, taking a step back there. So let's flip that to the other side then. And if I was saying, Ashley, okay, you mentioned some challenges, some problems. So what do you think is a proper approach? So in in your mind, if you've got the wallet here in your hand, I mean, how should training be allocated to get the most bang for the buck? You know, going back and saying, okay, well, where are we at today? So here's what I know that is working well. So I think the best way to approach this is not always thinking, okay, we need to start from the ground up. We need to create this entire program tomorrow. My expectation is for this to change in the next year. It's really being thoughtful of, you know, am I am I foreseeing challenges that aren't here today? Um, understanding how to develop skill sets and knowledge sets to those particular job positions that you're training to, but then not being afraid of introducing some of those more modern elements, but being, um, you know, realistic about expectations of when it's appropriate and staging it. So I think that that's um, that's a big piece of it is is creating that governance model, understanding. Um, you know, other elements outside of training that could be affecting this, you know, so if it's safety driven issue, maybe there's, maybe there's something else going on culturally that could be approached. Maybe it's leadership essentials. Um, you know, are, do they feel safe to go to work and, and do they feel like they're being given the tools for success and do they like the company that they're working for? So that's part of it. I mean, it's not always technical qualification and design. Um, it, it's really understanding the onboarding effort and the progression path for that employee long-term. Interesting. So everything you're saying, it really would start with, for example, a proper design thinking session where you're taking a step back with stakeholders, with SMEs and going, okay, let's really look at the bigger picture involving business operations, goals, it, what type of associates are working with you, just Having that, even investing one or two days in that upfront could really make quite a bit of difference in terms of how you're going to make the most of, of your investment. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And getting that buy-in, that's the critical piece. It's, you know, if, if the training is being driven from um, the L&D team or someone that's more on the corporate side, does that also translate to the fields? So are the field supervisors feeling like that will actually help to um improve their workforce and, and reduce the time to proficiency? Or is it just training for training's sake? So it's just having those realistic outcomes and also having the hard conversations between teams that sometimes can be disconnected um, in order to drive towards the big picture results that everyone wants. And you know what I was going to say is that it feels really good in this learning and development world when you truly know you're making a change, you're not just putting out an e-learning or a video or something and you're like, I don't even know if, if this is gonna make an impact in somebody's life, right? It feels, feels good when you're making that change. So what I'd like you to do, Ashley, is just dish a little bit. I mean, we all love home makeover shows and things like that. So can you share like a real world before after type of example? And then I'll put some fun HGTV style um, uh, underbed soundtrack to it while you're talking. Yeah, that sounds good. So <laughs> I think that, um, you know, a lot of times what we're seeing right now, especially in, um, 
the industries of energy and oil and gas is that, you know, moving towards that transformation, introducing virtual solutions as an option, but also not taking away from the structure of the program. So, you know, it's always got to be a blended approach. I mean, we shouldn't be scared of introducing new solutions or modalities, um, but we have to be mindful of the structure has to be there as well. So making this easily accessible to the workers in the field, I think is really, really appropriate, um, regardless of skill set. And so, you know, when we work with, um, you know, for example, I have a customer that we supported an effort in the oil and gas space. Um, They basically came to us with a lot of structure. You know, a lot of things were going well. Um, They had a structured OJT program. They had procedures. Um, Some of them could have been updated a bit, but things weren't broken. But they still wanted to see how can I think about the future and be able to support the changes to the workforce and retain talent. So one of the problems they were having was that talent was getting to the competency level of one, two, three, and then they would leave. There was no loyalty there. Um, you know, they would leave for better pay or a more exciting opportunity. So it it would it started off by understanding the needs and the job persona of the new hires, understanding the cultural fit of the more seasoned um, workforce, blending the right tools to get in front of them, and then getting that buy-in. So you know, going back to what we were just chatting about, it's it's getting the buy-in from operations, but also getting the buy-in from the end user themselves. So that challenge actually made them better for it because they understood a better path to how to retain talent, how to attract talent, how to get people to stick around because they were introducing unique elements without, you know, just forcing classroom training on people or forcing, you know, seats um, through a training module that, that wouldn't have an, any effect. Um, so at the end of the day, they ended up reducing the amount of training that they were doing. Um, they found that there was quite a bit of um, excessive classroom time going on and more field exercises excited everybody. And it, it spoke to all the different um, skill sets and, and experience and backgrounds. So we ended up saving them quite a bit of money by taking those steps back starting off with a design session and creating a roadmap. And, you know, honestly, it's not something you can solve for in a year. It, it, it was going to be a five-year program, and that was okay. Well, I, I love that. I mean, that's living proof of our mantra of we need learning and development to be ruthlessly relevant, right? So if it's not, if it's not something that's mission critical, if it's just nice to have, but it's like, hey, this is not going to be helping uh, transform our workforce. You know, it's like, why do we have it? We don't need the 12 pounds in the six pound bag or anything like that. So it's really actually really exciting to hear you mentioning this real life example and, and how you've made that change here. So Ashley, I know we've kept you for a while here. We know we need you to get back out there and represent us. So here's my question to you. Kind of a final question would be, if you had a chance to whisper in the ear of a chief learning officer, an L&D manager, a purchasing agent, something like that, what would be one little final thought that you'd like to share with them? You know, one size doesn't fit all. So um, coming into it with an open mind of, well, okay, maybe it's not a training problem. You know, taking that step back, looking at the other ways that 
um, could be affecting the growth and development of your talent. You know, if if things aren't going well, typically it, it goes back to, okay, well, what's the issue that I can solve for right now? But instead of thinking it of, you know, here's my problem, I have a gap, we have to meet this compliance effort. It's, you know, thinking about it more holistically and long-term is, is the what you're creating, the content you're creating future stable? Are you even in a position right now to be talking about content development? You know, or is it, is it a hiring situation or a onboarding situation that you should be putting more focus into? Um, and then developing, you know, your high level um, achievers in a position where they can also succeed and be part of the solution and part of the change and, and be providing that input of what they think the, the program should look like long term. So it's just getting all of those different elements and working with the different layers of the organization um, before you just get right down, roll up your sleeves and start pumping out training content. Ashley, I could see from just hearing you talk about this, it gets me excited and also very thankful that you're out there having those conversations. So on behalf of the entire team here at GP Strategies, thank you so much for sharing your insight today. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.